Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to Season 5, Episode 13 of They Walk Among Us, a podcast dedicated to UK true crime. This is part one of a two-part case, with the second instalment available next week. This episode contains distressing themes, explicit language, and descriptions of violence. This podcast is intended for a mature audience. Listener caution is advised. On July 1st, 2020, accompanied by a judge and several barristers, a jury disembarked a coach in Berkshire after travelling from the Old Bailey in London. A mist of light rain fell, and several police officers, who spoke few words, watched on. The jury were not to be disturbed as they examined the reconstruction of a crime scene. Two vehicles were positioned facing each other on a narrow lane bordered by trees and high hedgerows that exited the village of Stanford Dingley. The boot of one vehicle, dented and heavily scratched, was ajar, with a tow strap attached to one of its hinges. Just over a mile from this location, blue silk poses were tied to road markings, and a small circle of stones was painted with the words, When your heart stopped beating, a part of me died. (laughs) 
During the middle of August 2019, a gang of teenagers and young adults came up with a plan to steal a quad bike. Two of the youngest members of the group were 17, the designated driver was 18, and their accomplice was in his early 20s. They lived in villages throughout Berkshire and Hampshire, but often congregated at Four Houses Corner, where they had ties to the community that lived there. The location in the village of Ufton Nervet was described by news reports as a local authority-run traveller caravan and mobile home site. While the gang of four scouted the surrounding area, around six and a half miles away they found a property on which they had seen a bike they wanted. The Victorian-style home in the process of being renovated was isolated on a quiet country lane on the border of Stanford Dingley and Bradfield South End, both villages in West Berkshire. The group would later argue that they stumbled upon the period property by chance. However, this was deemed most unlikely as from the steep bend of the adjoining country lane, any vehicles on the land could not easily be seen. The gang would often head out to steal cars, bikes or anything that took their fancy. For the most part, this was how they made their living. In the dead of night, they took what they wanted. A few nights earlier, the gang had stolen a Seat Toledo, a practical car ideal for transporting a family. Its use in this instance was far from the usual activities a family would undertake. They disconnected the break-in indicator lights as they were aware that an officer driving a police car would keep their distance if there was no indication of when the getaway vehicle was going to stop. The group wanted to ensure that the stolen car could not be traced back to any of them. The license plates were taped up front and back and a stolen crane strap was attached to the boot hinge. It had been doubled up, creating a loop that could be tied to the handlebars of a quad bike that, in turn, would be towed along behind the car. While the gang did not have a great deal of funds, they were well-versed in stealing and had successfully evaded the police in the past. Under the belief they were well-prepared, the four thought they knew what to do if things didn't work out the way they hoped. If the authorities arrived at the scene and the gang knew their efforts were a lost cause, they would need to get away unhampered. The group would need to act quickly. The driver of the quad bike would need to dismount from the vehicle, untie the loop strap from the quad bike and scramble back in the car before they made their escape. There was, however, one problem. This would leave the crane strap exposed dragging along the floor. According to a witness who later gave a statement about what they saw, the strap was around 10 to 15 feet long and the width of a 20 pence coin. Before the tragic events were about to unfold, one of the group even voiced his opinion that the strap could get caught in something, possibly one of the wheels if they were driving at speed. It seemed they deemed this a risk they were willing to take, 
in order to get what they wanted. During the afternoon of August 15th, the gang of four drove through the village of Stanford Dingley. In broad daylight with music blaring from the Sayat, they navigated the country roads at speed. A heavily dented, light-coloured car was spotted by a witness who saw the licence plate was covered up with blue tape. The driver appeared to be doing laps throughout the village, when locals having a drink outside the Bull Inn pub on Cock Lane saw the vehicle pass several times with the occupants inside the car wearing balaclavas, gloves and dark clothing. The gang then headed about a mile south to the property they had planned to target. On one and a half acres of land, the driveway leads to the home on which a car was parked near a skip. The quad bike had been left alongside the garage. It was attached to a trailer that contained several tools. When the gang arrived at Privet House around 10 to 5, their plans were interrupted. The homeowner came outside. He witnessed four individuals. He assumed they were all adult males. Two stayed in the car and two approached him. Dressed in dark clothing, gloves and face coverings, the homeowner could only see their eyes. Can I help you, gentlemen? he asked. Yeah, one of them responded aggressively, but they just walked away and returned to the car. The homeowner was not easily intimidated. However, the group were intent on steeding the quad bike that sat on the drive. They would return under the cover of darkness, albeit one man down. Four were now three. The homeowner Peter Wallace, who was the only person at the property, had been trying to get some sleep when he was stirred by a vehicle that appeared on his driveway. He turned on the outdoor light which he hoped would alert the intruders to his presence, but they were undeterred. Around quarter past 11, Wallace called the police telling them that his new Honda TRX 500 quad bike worth £10,000 was in the process of being stolen. He told the operator he was going to intervene, but was advised not to get involved and wait for the police to arrive. Thames Valley Police, what's your emergency? I've got fast men outside my house and they've got weapons. They came round earlier and now they're in my ha- they're at my property in Stamford. And what Dingley. weapons have they got? Um, handheld things. They're all masked. And w- what and weapons did you say? I, I saw them handheld things uh, a moment ago. I don't know whether they're coming to break in this house. I don't know whether they're coming, but they're. Yeah, can you please send someone? Someone? Are they trying to get into your property? They, they are gone to break into something. They're getting into, trying to get into my garage or, or something. And when did you see them before? The gang were armed with weapons that included crowbars, an axe, and a hammer. They would not let anyone get in their way, and it appeared they might harm anyone that tried. Over the course of the next ten minutes, the group attached the handlebars of the quad bike to the loop in the toe strap 
which was attached to a hinge of the Seat's boot. They set off. One of the gang was riding the bike, another driving the car, and a third was sitting in the front passenger seat. All three being well-versed in the theft of motor vehicles, they were under the assumption that their plan had been successful. They each had their role and worked as a team. However, they did not get far before they could see the hedges of Lambdon's Hill illuminated by the headlights from a car coming in the opposite direction as it travelled on Admore Lane, both of which were unlit single-track roads flanked by hedgerows. They were confronted head-on by a BMW. At first, they were unaware it was an unmarked police car fitted with emergency lights and two uniformed officers from the Thames Valley Police Force inside. Both vehicles inch forward, almost coming nose to nose. The officers waited inside the patrol vehicle, wanting to observe what was happening without spooking the driver in front of them. It didn't take long for one member of the gang to realise who was in the BMW. He was riding the quad bike. It was no use. The theft was a lost cause and he knew it. He would have to disconnect the quad bike and quickly. He jumped off the bike, detached the loop toe strap from the handlebars and scrambled back towards the car the driver of which was already trying to make his getaway by driving on the grass verge. As the emergency lights in the police vehicle were activated, the country lane was filled by a pulsing blue glow. The member of the gang who was still outside of the getaway vehicle tried getting into the rear passenger side door, but as the Seat was so close to the unmarked patrol car, he was unable to do so. He had to run around the police car before jumping through the front passenger window of the Seat. He landed headfirst in the lap of the driver who shouted, Get off! Get off! Get off! With the car now moving forward at an increasing pace. An officer witnessing this jumped from the passenger seat of the patrol car and ran towards the Seat as the gang were frantically taking measures to make their escape. As one of the culprits had closely passed the police car, this is what spurred the officer in the passenger seat to get out. Theoretically, as he was such a short distance away, he might be able to intercept and arrest one of the suspects. Drive, drive, one of the group shouted as the driver floored the accelerator and drove off at speed with the tow loop loose behind the vehicle. They were being pursued by an officer on foot running towards them. He was about two feet away from the Seat. The second officer driving the patrol car was watching the events through his rear window. Then he saw his partner fall back and he heard a crack. The officer's head hit the floor. Then he just vanished. There was no response on his police radio. The whole sequence of events played out over no longer than 10 seconds. What happened next would be debated at great length in front of a jury. Oh, f- Three, four. 
my colleague got out of the vehicle, uh, ran after the vehicle, I've now lost him. As the Seat sped off from Admore Lane heading to the junction of the A4, the tow loop was caught on something. The evidence suggests the driver of the Seat swerved from side to side across the abrasive road surface. The gang, or more specifically the driver, knew he would have to travel at excessive speeds if he wanted to get away. A wing mirror from the near side of the car had been dislodged. Again, the details of what exactly happened next are unclear. However, as the vehicle entered Ufton Lane crossing over a junction on the A4, the Seat almost struck another car shortly after leaving the intersection, and whatever was entangled in the tow loop was somehow released. On the uh, A4, just down from Sully. There's a body in the road, body in the road, just fell out the vehicle, can't be with the body. The gang had travelled for around a minute and a half at an average speed of 42.5 miles per hour. Some evidence would suggest the car had slowed down. However, the three individuals in the vehicle would deny they ever knew that the strap had become intertwined with anything, nor would they admit they disconnected something from the rear of the car. Now free from the weight the vehicle had been dragging along, the speed at which they were driving increased. It was excessive, to say the least. Well over 90 miles per hour down unlit dark country lanes. Luckily, there were no pedestrians in the road, although another police car had to undertake evasive manoeuvres to avoid being struck head-on before the culprits made their escape. The following morning, news broke that a police officer had been killed while on duty. Though the details available to the public were sparse, and how exactly the officer had lost his life was yet to be confirmed, the Thames Valley Police were quick to make numerous arrests in connection with the case. Being held for questioning at several police stations throughout the wider Berkshire area were ten individuals, some teenagers, others in their twenties and thirties. As a National Police Air Service helicopter circled the scene where the officer's body was found, a heavy police presence was felt throughout the surrounding villages. A cordon was set up, and the roads were closed with several blue and white forensic tents visible, close to the junction where Lambdens Hill and Ufton Lane intersect on the A4, around a mile from the scene where the suspect's vehicle was intercepted. Scene of crime officers slowly combed the road surface, dressed head to toe in white forensic suits, blue gloves and black shoe coverings. Some officers took photos, while others observed what appeared to be a long dark red trail that marked the tarmac in a zigzag motion. It ran through parts of Landon's Hill over the junction and onto Ufton Lane near the village of Solemstead. 
intermittent sections of yellow spray paint were apparent. Used to mark the location of several vehicles present, the paint also followed the deep red trail and its direction of travel. As officers observed the scene, the mood was clearly sombre. In the early afternoon, the identity of the officer killed was confirmed. PC Andrew Harper, known as Harps to his colleagues, was 28 years old. He had only recently returned to work following his wedding a month earlier. The gentle giant, as he was described by his partner, was fond of animals and would always make sure they were taken care of, often transporting them to the nearest animal rescue centre. Raised in Wallingford, Oxfordshire, he had two younger siblings. He enjoyed the outdoors. Andrew Harper began working as an officer in 2011, starting his career with the force at just 19 years old. He always wanted to be a policeman. His superiors described him as highly regarded, professional, and said Andrew's death had meant a significant loss to the force. In a black and white photograph widely published, PC Harper can be seen with a big smile on his face. He is pictured in his wedding suit, with a ring clearly visible, that was placed on his finger only moments earlier. The officer had been working in the Rhodes Policing Proactive Unit based at Abingdon Police Station. His shift was due to finish at 7pm that day, but he had not signed off. He continued working well into the night with his colleague PC Andrew Shaw, driving along the M4 before they answered the call of a reported burglary in progress. On social media, members of the fallen officer's family paid tribute to him, posting messages of their devastation and loss. Condolences were sent from far and wide, with MPs and constabularies across the country voicing their dismay. The Prime Minister even posted a message online offering his sympathy while expressing his shock. His post read in part, It is the most powerful reminder that police officers up and down the country put themselves at risk every single day to keep us safe. Flags at police headquarters were flying at half-mast, and hundreds of bouquets of flowers would be left at the scene. Countless officers and emergency workers were in tears as they came to pay their respects. As the heavens had opened, a veil of rain covered the flowers and tributes. One note left at the scene read, The thin blue line grows thinner with your loss. Someone else wrote, another brother taken, one of TVP's finest. Surely enough is enough. The card left by Andrew's family spoke of how they felt his presence in their darkest hour. They wrote, sleep tight sweetheart, see you one day. And finally, PC Harper's widow Lizzie would later describe how her husband, who she had only been married to for 28 days, 
always had a smile on his face and treasured every moment they were together. They had been childhood sweethearts before they were engaged in Italy and had planned to go on their honeymoon only a few days after Andrew Harper was killed. To my best friend, Lizzie Harper wrote, the kindest, loveliest, most selfless person you will ever meet. You were brave, funny, and always there for anyone who needed it. There is not enough paper in the world to even begin to write a tribute for you, but no one deserves it more. We had so many plans for the future. He wanted to do it all. My darling boy, I do not know how I will be able to survive without you. Looking to reassure the public, Detective Chief Inspector Stuart Blake told the press that Thames Valley Police had launched a full and thorough investigation to establish what had happened. Several senior members of the police force offered statements to the media in which they described the increasing violence they were seeing towards officers who were simply carrying out their duty. They were even suggestions by some police chiefs that the public should do what they could to help if they saw an officer being assaulted. At the time, an increasing number of videos had been uploaded across social media which pictured officers being attacked by drunken members of the public as crowds of bystanders filmed the events from their mobile phones. While they did not want members of the public to put themselves in harm's way or take any risks, police chiefs were asking for help to make their communities safer. Only hours later in a press conference, Chief Constable John Campbell offered words of sympathy and provided what information the investigating officers had gathered so far. It was confirmed that after exiting his vehicle, PC Harper was killed during the late hours of August 15th. Uh, Thames Valley Police was called to an incident near to Sullumstead on the A4 between Reading and Newbury at 11.30pm yesterday evening. A murder investigation has been launched and currently there are 10 people who have been arrested on suspicion of murder. Those arrested are all male and aged between 13 and 30 years of age. They're all in police custody at this time. Following a post-mortem, a pathologist recorded the cause of PC Harper's death as multiple catastrophic injuries. Police are of the belief it was related to the officer being dragged some distance by a motor vehicle. However, they were unsure of how exactly PC Harper became entangled. Detective Superintendent Elsa Kent of Thames Valley Major Crime Unit addressed the media. As we stated yesterday, within an hour of the incident happening, we had arrested 10 males aged between 13 and 30 on suspicion of murder. I can confirm that the males were arrested from a local authority-run caravan and mobile home site, Four Houses Corner, in Reading Road, near Burfield Common. Earlier today, we sought a 36-hour extension to their detention, and this was granted at Reading Magistrates Court, and in respect of our investigations, we are interviewing those in custody, carrying out house-to-house inquiries, obtaining and reviewing CCTV footage, undertaking extensive forensic examination, and taking witness statements. 
Officers had descended on Four House's corner. Everyone was ordered outside from the dozen or so caravans and mobile homes that covered the small area of land before the arrests were made and forensic officers were called to the scene. The Sayat was found on the grounds with several rolls of tape, some of which had been used to cover the licence plate. After the suspects were taken into custody, the site was deserted the next day. Washing had been left hanging on the line in the pouring rain, with the only noise breaking the silence of the morning, emanating from the footsteps of the forensic officers as they gathered evidence. The friend to one of the families that lived at the site told the reporter for the Daily Telegraph, We're still trying to work out what's going on, but I don't understand why so many people had to be arrested. They can't all be guilty. It's like the police just think we're travellers, so of course we did it. As the investigation was ongoing, the police asked the public not to speculate as to the motive or specific circumstances that led to PC Harper's death. As PC Andrew Harper had only been married for a month, the Thames Valley Police Federation set up a just-giving page to help his family following the officer's tragic death. Donations produced over £50,000 in the first 24 hours of the page being live and would go on to raise £330,000 before Andrew Harper's family closed the donations. A portion of the Just Giving page read, We know there is a risk when we put the uniform on, but we do so as we are proud to protect the public. Sadly, on very rare and horrendous occasions, a colleague makes the ultimate sacrifice. We will ensure that heroism is never forgotten. On August 19th, several days after PC Harper's death, one of the suspects was charged with murder and appeared before Reading Magistrates Court. 20-year-old Jed Alexander Foster of Pingewood near Burfield was also charged with stealing a quad bike accompanied by other individuals who were yet to be identified. Foster was one of the ten males arrested at Four Houses Corner. The nine other suspects were released, but under strict bail conditions. Foster's defence counsel Rob Jakes described PC Harper's death as horrific, but said his client denied the charges and was not involved in any way. Speaking about Foster, Jakes addressed the vast number of reporters outside the court. We urge the police to follow every single line of inquiry to prove who is responsible and to ensure that there is justice in this case. We also urge any member of the public who has information, however difficult it is for them, to come forward and to be aids with the police. That's on behalf of my client and his family. There will be no other statement. And in the usual course of these things, I ask you to leave them alone. It's very stressful. Thank you very much.
the media and the public were again reminded by the Crown Prosecution Service that they should not comment or share information about the case which might prejudice the legal proceedings against any of the suspects. In a press release, the CPS also stated that their assessment of the evidence arising out of the police's investigation and the subsequent decision to present charges for the criminal court to consider was not a finding of or implication of guilt. It stressed the CPS did not assess evidence gathered by the defence and it was not the function of the CPS to decide whether a person is guilty of a criminal offence. In a further short hearing from Reading Crown Court the next day, Jed Foster appeared via video link from HMP Woodhill in Milton Keynes. His family, one of whom was clutching a Superman teddy bear, watched from the public gallery as Foster, dressed in a prison-issue tracksuit, confirmed his personal details. Judge Paul Dugdale told the prisoner that a trial was provisionally set for January 2020. Foster would remain in custody. His mother later posted a message on Facebook. It read, I know you can't read this, baby. Please stay strong. You have many, many messages. Sending their thoughts. We know you would never be capable of such a horrible, horrific act. We will fight this. And hopefully someone that knows the truth will come forward and tell the truth or live the rest of their lives knowing that they let an innocent boy go away for something he didn't do. There's a lot that doesn't add up. Statements were not taken from people that could give times and places you were, and CCTV wasn't taken either. I love you, and behind your innocence all the way. Hang in there, my beautiful boy. As the case slowly began to work its way through the courts, numerous groups paid tribute to PC Harper. Emergency workers across the country held a minute's silence. This is just a small part of the many tributes that have been laid um, at the scene of Andrew's death and also have been received by the force from both police colleagues, foreign ambulance, military and members of the public as well. And a, a true reflection of how Andrew's passing has been felt by us locally, but also by the rest of the country. The Ride of Respect was also organised by Sean Sloper, to pay tribute to a fellow biker. While she did not know Andrew Harper personally, she told a reporter for Berkshire Live, the community has been absolutely appalled by what happened and absolutely disgusted. I just thought as a community, we ought to do something in his memory. It won't bring him back, but it is at least something we can do. Around 5,000 bikers from throughout the north of England came together to honour the fallen officer and raise money through charitable donations. They travelled 15 miles from RAF Benson to Abingdon Airfield. 
leaving in groups of 500. The procession was led by Andrew's widow, who was travelling on her husband's bike with her brother Jake. Around £16,000 was reportedly raised during the event. After the ride of respect, Lissy Harper posted on Facebook. She wrote, I know that it was a long day with lots of waiting in the cold, but I can't tell you how proud I was when I saw every biker and pillion lined up waiting to begin. You have all touched my heart and given me hope again. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode of They Walk Among Us is brought to you in association with Centair. Ever entered a seemingly perfect space only to feel like something was missing? That's where Centair comes in. With over three decades of experience, Centair leads the scent marketing industry, scenting resorts, retail outlets, event spaces and more, partnering with major brands like Westin Hotels and Snap Fitness. Chances are you've already encountered their fragrances firsthand, and now Centair is offering you a luxury fragrance experience in the comfort of your home. Visit Centair.com to explore their online store and infuse your spaces with unforgettable scents. Centair diffusers are sleek and fill your space with vivid fragrance for up to 300 hours. And the Centair app lets you schedule your fragrance and control your intensity right from your phone. 
What's more, all of Centair's more than 60 fragrances are phthalate-free, cruelty-free, safe for families and EcoVad is certified sustainable. Differentiate your space with scent. Try luxury home fragrance trusted by the pros by going to Centair.com and using promo code Among Us for an extra 25% off your first order. That's promo code Among Us for an extra 25% off your first order at Centair.com. Jed Foster was still in custody. It had been just over a month since PC Harper's death when news reports revealed that the police had carried out raids on several properties in Berkshire and Hampshire. Of the ten arrests made soon after the officer lost his life, three of the suspects were re-arrested and charged with murder and theft. Detective Superintendent Elsa Kent told the press that new evidence was discovered as the investigation had progressed. Three males, an 18-year-old and two 17-year-olds were in police custody, along with another suspect, a 21-year-old male who was charged with conspiracy to steal. Only days later, they appeared at Reading Magistrates Court. The two male adults were identified as Henry Long from College Pierce Mortimer, accused of murder and conspiracy to steal, and Thomas King of Strawberry Fields Bramley in Hampshire. He faced a single charge of conspiracy to steal. Two teenagers who could not be named for legal reasons were also accused of murder and conspiracy to steal. The families of the accused shouted, Love you, as they were led away to the cells. A further hearing quickly followed at the Old Bailey in London, and the three suspects, Henry Long and two teenagers who were accused of murder, would be held in police custody pending a plea and case management hearing. Thomas King, accused of conspiracy to steal, was released on police bail. While the prosecution were preparing themselves for the impending trial, the first suspect to be arrested, Jed Foster, appeared at the Old Bailey. In somewhat surprising news, Foster was told that the charges against him were being dropped. The remaining five people initially arrested were also released with no further action. Then, it was unclear of the exact evidence the police had gathered against Foster, but regardless, he was free to go. PC Harper's funeral was held on October 14, 2019 at Christchurch Cathedral in Oxford. As the cortege made its way through the streets before the service, hundreds of members of the public lined up to pay their respects. The city had never been so quiet. Wet from the rain, uniformed police officers stood in front of the metal barriers forming a guard of honour, with their heads bowed and tears in their eyes. Oxford was brought to a standstill. Officers on horseback slowly led the procession as the hearse made the journey to the cathedral. In a floral tribute, 
White, blue and purple flowers spelled Andrew. They sat alongside P.C. Harper's coffin draped with a blue pall adorned with the badge of the Thames Valley Police. The coffin was carried inside by six uniformed officers. In a packed service, around 800 mourners, friends, family and colleagues remembered the life of fallen officer PC 7605 Andrew Harper. Placed in the centre of the cathedral was the coffin, atop of which was his helmet. The family asked that donations were made to the Tiggy Winkles Wildlife Hospital and Blue Cross Rehoming Centre, both of which were animal charities. This is how I remember you. Your smile was infectious, your humour relentless. Even in the darkest of times, you made me laugh. Your personality shone through in everything you did, and I'm so very, very proud of you. I'm proud of the police officer you became, and I'm proud of everything you achieved in your life. I feel privileged to have worked with you, and even more so to call you my friend. In his eulogy, Andrew's widow described her husband as strong, unfailingly kind and a true friend to all. Lizzie Harper told mourners, Andrew was so many things to many of us. Husband, best friend, brother, son, uncle, nephew and colleague. The kindest of kind and sweetest of sweet. He would cheer me up when I was down just by pulling a silly face or making a joke. I could never stay mad at him for long because he made me laugh in the middle of an argument. Oh, how I hated that. I've never known anyone so kind, worry-free, forgiving, positive and good as our Andrew. PC Harper's bravery would later go on to be recognised posthumously the annual Police Federation Rhodes Policing Awards. His wife Lizzie accepted the award on his behalf. In her speech, for which she received a standing ovation, she spoke of her husband's enthusiasm and a contagious love for adventure. I think if you were to have asked Andrew what the most important thing about being a police officer was, he would say protecting the innocent from harm and being the barrier of strength and accountability against the guilty, even if he had to stay on late and buy another kebab from the notorious kebab van that he loved to visit. I wish more than you could ever know that I wasn't standing up here accepting this acknowledgement on behalf of Andrew. I wish in so many ways that he had been just a little less brave. But then he wouldn't be the amazing person that he was. A silent protector going about his job without expectation or recognition. Following several months of fundraising in honour of PC Andrew Harper, the new year brought an admission from one of the suspects. On January 7th, 2020, Henry Long, who was 18 years old at the time of the officer's death, pleaded guilty at the Old Bailey to both manslaughter and conspiracy to steal. 
he was driving the vehicle on the night in question. Long appeared in the hearing via video link from Belmarsh Prison. Though much like two of his co-defendants, Long still denied murder. The two teenagers had already entered their pleas over a video link from the young offender institution where they were staying. They also denied a charge of manslaughter, and although they at first denied a charge of conspiracy to steal, this was something they would later admit. Also dressed in prison-issue tracksuits, a crucifix hung from one of their necks. The trial began in early March. Before being sworn in, the jury were reminded by the judge, Mr Justice Edis, that they should not allow their emotions to affect their judgement. It was incredibly sad that PC Harper had lost his life in the line of duty, although when assessing the evidence, the jury needed to be fair-minded and clear-sighted. Jurors were warned to accept only the facts presented to them in court. They should not do their own research. Any discussions about the case should take place in the jury room. They were told details presented in court would be distressing. The judge said that PC Harper died on August 15th, 2019 in pursuit of the defendants. Each had admitted to a charge of conspiracy to steal. Quote, Henry Long accepts that he drove in a way which was dangerous and which caused death. He denies, though, that he intended to cause any harm to P.C. Harper. For murder, a person must cause death unlawfully, and when doing so, must intend to kill or at least do really serious bodily harm. Forensic evidence was limited. There were no fingerprints in or around the car as the culprits had worn gloves. But the defendants could be placed in the vicinity of the crime as their mobile phones showed that they were in the area at the time of the incident. While both Henry Long and one of the teenagers said they did not own a mobile device, detectives managed to track down their mobile numbers and through GPS evidence proved they were initially lying when asked where they were. The accused also made several rush phone calls, which proved something serious had occurred. When the police arrived to arrest the suspects and found the car at the caravan and mobile home site at Four Houses Corner, no one would speak, so officers felt they had no choice but to arrest every single male present. One of the suspects can be heard saying, does it look like I done a murder? I'm arresting both of you on suspicion of murder. All right, and that's of a Thames Valley police officer. So suspicion of murder of a Thames Valley police officer. All right, and that's happened, I believe, down on the A4 tonight. All right, so both of you, you don't say anything, but it may harm your defence. You do not mention when questioned, so which you later rely on in court. And if you do say, you may be given an evidence, do you understand? Well, a load of white suspicion of murder. It's quite a serious offence, yeah, to be honest. It's serious to you. All right. Mike, look, I li- how do you expect you to drive that blueberry like that? What have we done? 
But we're going to work that out. That's why it's prompting an investigation look, look and work everything out. Does it look like I've done a murder? So you do you do both understand? So transportation transportation's gonna be gained for you and then you're gonna leave, alright? Jed Foster had initially been charged based upon text messages which were sent from his phone. It appeared to indicate that he was involved while boasting about P.C. Harper's death. The contents of the messages suggested he could have been the driver. Reporting on the events, the Evening Standard newspaper claimed that one of the messages read, Fuck, this could be it. This isn't Jed texting. He's driving. He said, Don't tell Mum. The messages had been sent to Foster's sister as a joke. It mentioned a car chase in which the vehicle had been rammed by the police and there was also reference to a helicopter. Given the seriousness of the case and the fact the police believed there were reasonable grounds that continuing the investigation would yield more clues for a realistic prospect of conviction, this proved enough to charge Foster, despite there not being a full file of evidence. However, after a further inquiry was undertaken, Foster was ruled out and the murder charge was dropped. At the time of the crime, he had posted content on social media and was nowhere near the scene. While the defendants and their friends and family continually refused to help the police, often frustrating the investigation, the case against the suspects was considerable. Hundreds of hours of CCTV was analysed, around a thousand written statements were reviewed, and thousands of pieces of evidence were gathered. But the defendants, who had been charged with murder, insisted they did not knowingly intend to kill or seriously injure PC Andrew Harper. This is the end of episode 13. To hear more about the trial, the outcome, and what happened next, please tune in next week. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to our new Patreon producer, Barbara Johnson, and everyone who supports us on Patreon. For more information on this episode, please see the show notes or visit our website, theywalkamonguspodcast.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.